You want to know those things that you have to do that make you the most amount of most amount of money or, or save you the most amount of time. Everybody needs to know their HPAs or high payout activities every day. What most people do is they work on the minutia each day. They do the things that are not very important. And we enjoy doing those things. Sometimes it's it's spending time at the water cooler talking to somebody at the office. It's getting yourself a cup of coffee. But that has to come after you do the most important things. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Coffee Break Podcast, where our mission is to share business ideas, practices, and strategies. And today, tips from old school radio broadcasting. We're going to be chatting with Steve Klein. And uh, he's got some interesting stories about being relentless and continuing to persevere through when things get tough, but also understanding a way to create a plan and a strategy and stay on course with it. Steve is an old school radio disc jockey as well, and you'll hear that in his voice, but we'll also talk a little bit about that and how it pertains to understanding how to plot out a, a time schedule and understand how to manage your day and manage your, manage your time. That's all coming up in just a few moments. But before we do that, I do want to invite you to subscribe. I've been asking you to do this for quite some time, but if this is your first time listening or watching the podcast, we definitely want you to be subscribed because we have a brand new episode out every Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. And as long as you're subscribed, then you get the episodes free. If you're not subscribed, you know you may have to pay a few dollars or something like that. I don't know how it works. But anyways, make sure you are subscribed, whatever platform you're listening on. Hit that subscribe button. If you're on uh, YouTube or Facebook, click the follow or subscribe, and uh, that way you'll always be notified of a brand new episode. Thank you for joining us today. You can find out more by visiting lockdoc.net slash podcast. Now, grab a cup of coffee. Let's get ready for this conversation. We got so much to say. We got a podcast to make. We're sipping on lattes. It's time for a coffee break. It's time for a coffee break. Oh yeah. Steve, thanks for joining us today. Pretty excited to have you here. I mean, I I don't want to I don't want to jump to anything amazing just yet, but we've already been having a pretty fun conversation about radio, uh, which is a kind of a little thing. So let's. But what? But welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you, Chad. I appreciate you having me here. We are going to um, to talk about a few different things on the episode today, but I'm pretty excited about one thing that we just touched on pr- prior to recording. So uh, let's get to that after we do rapid fire. Five randomly selected questions with unknown point values just to get under your skin, and at the end we'll give you a score. Does that work for you? Wonderful. Let's go for it. All right, question number one. What's the most difficult thing that you still do each day? I uh, get up at four o'clock in the morning, get to the office at six, and spend two hours getting everything accomplished more than most people do. That's because you're just on on top of everything, right? Oh, it's part of what my life is all about. We'll talk about that later, but uh, it's a plan. I work the plan and I get it accomplished. Question number two: How long do you think you could survive on your own? Uh, a long time. Uh, I'm I'm used to being by myself a lot. Um, my, um, my, just as an aside, my wife had an accident while she was out of town visiting her sister Mm -hmm. and, uh, she was, uh, had surgery and rehab. She was out for nine weeks. I handled it by myself. So that's not a problem. Look at you. Question number three, what's your biggest first world problem? 
first world problem, I don't really think I have a world problem. I have uh, local and personal problems, but not a world problem. So first world problem, like uh, a, pro- a, a struggle that you have, even though it is a, a luxury for most of the world. Oh, one of my big, my biggest struggle, I, what I do today is I do a lot of speaking, specifically uh, workshops and keynote speaking. Mm-hmm. My biggest struggle was the first time I spoke as a, a sophomore in high school running for class president and almost died. I see. There you go. There's a classic first world problem. That's that's horrible that you almost died uh, running for class president. Question number four. What were you most afraid of when you were younger? And do you still have that fear? Uh, I don't know if I had a major fear, but I had a very, very, I still do, had a very difficult time learning anything. And uh, all during high school, I don't remember watching any TV because I had to study every night. And my fear was not getting through school. That's a that's a real fear. Okay. Question number five. What's something? Un- and I guess you got. You're not. I guess you don't still have that fear because you made uh, it through school. It, there's always that little bit of fear behind me of not getting something accomplished, but uh, that's also what pushes me too. I like it. Question number five. What's something uncomfortable, uh, but you feel everyone should be experienced at? Uh, <laughs> let me try that one again. What's something uncomfortable, but you feel that everyone should experience at least once in their life? Okay, this is now getting into what my keynote talk is all about, about being relentless. And and the thing that people should be uncomfortable about is doing what is uncomfortable, doing something that hurts, because we have to go through the pain to grow and achieve. So anything that causes you that that mental pain, maybe sometimes physical pain, but that mental pain is what grows us and what causes us to become successful. All right. I'm Fantastic questions. Completely random on my random generator, and I think you did a fantastic job. I'm going to give you a score of 936 because I'll take it. it was very efficient and to the point. Thank you. Well, I appreciate those questions, too. All right. So let's let's ch- uh, chat a little bit about this. So you, you've, you've sent me this list of all of these things about you, basically just kind of having to forge your way through a lot of things. And so we can talk a little bit about that. But while we were just chatting before we started the recording, uh, you said that you're originally from Chicago and now you're in Texas. Correct. Now, number one question that I have is, uh, what do you prefer Chicago style pizza over the traditional New York style? Oh, there is nothing but Chicago deep dish pizza. And the problem is you can't get it in Dallas, Texas. So every time I go visit my relatives in Chicago, it's always getting deep dish Chicago pizza. And no, it doesn't compare with New York pizza, in my opinion. And what's the best place in Chicago? Well, the the place now, it wasn't there when I was growing up, but the place that has basically taken over is called Lou Malnati's. Okay. Uh, but where I used to go when I was living there was uh, Uno's and Dewey's, and there's also Geno's too. Naturally. Okay, cool. Sorry, that was completely not relevant to anything else, but Chicago comes up. This is a, a, a question that we have to address. Well, it's it's two things. It's pizza and Vienna hot dogs. Those are the two things. Yeah, I'm not a big hot dog guy, but pizza, that's a whole other situation. Okay, so you were saying that you made it from Chicago down to Texas by way of uh, getting fired from your first job, which brought us up to the fact that you were in radio, Correct. which is cool. Because what after the grocery store, 
my first real job was in radio and um, and it was a blast. And so there's some common ground there, but we were talking a little bit about um, just kind of some of the, the technology around radio. So let's break that down for those that are listening and watching is uh, what did what were some of the major lessons that you learned through your radio career? Well, we were talking about one of those before the uh, show started about um, back timing as a my, my, I'll look back, go back a little bit. I was hired as a one man news staff in a small radio station in South Central uh, Nebraska, town of 20,000 people. And being from the Chicago area, that was a small town. And I had to work 18-hour days. I had to sleep with a police monitor in my bedroom. Had to be up at 4 o'clock to clear the police log at 5, get to the radio station, which went off at night, and do the first news broadcast when they went on the air, going through UPI, uh, AP, putting all the news together. And um, at $500 a month. There you go. My boss, boss took me out to coffee six weeks after I started. And he said, what would you enjoy doing if you weren't in news? I said, well, I enjoy production. Why? He said, you're fired. So I sat there for a moment. He said, have you ever thought about going into sales? And I said, well, not really. My father was in sales. I had no interest. I said, why? He said, we have a, a, a salesperson we just hired, has a background in news. You two could switch jobs. I said, great. How much are you going to pay me? He said, same thing you're making now plus 10% commission. I said, I'll take it. So uh, that was my introduction to sales. I came back after lunch. He gave me a rate card and he gave me a list of people to call on. And that was my sales training. There you go. I, th- this is uh, hilarious to me because if you f- if you bring forward a few, maybe a couple decades, um, is when I had a very, very similar experience. The only difference was I did not really enjoy the sales or it was not appealing at all. Uh, but I really enjoyed the production side and I really enjoyed the on-air side. That was That was a blast. And it was kind of a constant challenge to be able to navigate. Um, and that I was in this kind of transitionary period where we were still using these old carts. And I know some of the stuff that you and I are talking about is like completely not relevant to anybody that's listening, but they, these things that look like eight tracks, right? Yes. And and they, they were short, uh, basically just uh, timed out enough to have that recording and they triggered automatically. It was, it was an interesting setup. But we were using those for commercial spots whenever you were doing live radio, and we were transitioning from CD over to complete automation. So it was a lot of transition happening. And so I got a mix of using cart decks, CDs, and then computer automation to kind of navigate through an air shift. But through that, it was the the picture that you started to paint was navigating an hour. Uh, you, the, everything in radio kind of lives and dies by that hour and navigating time blocks. And so we were, we were chatting about it because there is this unique adrenaline rush when you are sitting behind the desk, behind the microphone, and you have time marks to hit. And one of the ones you were talking about was going to the, the, the satellite news, right? CBS News on the hour. Okay, so so talk us through that uh, real quick because the, I think what, what, what the the picture I'm trying to paint here is I think this is vital in a lot of other things. It's this paints a lot of this uh, mindset that you go into, and it especially holds true for me today in a lot of the things that I do. But paint this picture, top of the hour, so zero zero. What has to happen to get to that point? Yeah, let's go backwards from that hour. You have to hit the news 
at six o'clock. Being an affiliate, we had to pull that in. And uh, for those who don't know it, the volume control and I boarded a radio station is called a POT, which stands for potentiometer. And you're shaking your head laughing because this brings you back to radio. And what we would do with that potent that pot is turn it all the way down until we heard a click. So we could hear what was going on in CBS off the air. In mm-hmm. Then there'd be the key, right. Yeah. And then there'd be some silence for maybe five or 10 seconds before they, they hit it. And you had to hit it on the hour. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've still, I still, I remember listening to radio stations in the, um, in the eighties when, when, when uh, disc jockeys missed their cue and they came into the news late. But, so what we had to do was back time. So let's say it's 10 minutes before the hour. Have to hit the news at uh, on the hour, and we have maybe one one song we want to play. And back in those days, we used 45s and had the the time of the song on the 45, and that's what it was used for. So we knew how much time. So let's say we had a, a three minute song. We had uh, two or three commercials. We have to back time to make sure we can get those in. And it's even more important because the log showed that we had to play those commercials uh, for the FCC and for the client. We couldn't miss that. Mm-hmm. And then also we'd have some a few things to say, like the time, the temperature, those things. This is part of what I teach when I'm working on time management productivity. It's because when you have a goal, which is being on the hour, hitting that, hitting that mark, you work backwards from it. And let's say you have a proposal put together for a client and they give you two weeks to do it. Well, you look at what you have to do two weeks from then, you work backwards to how much it's gonna, you have to do every day, and then all of a sudden it's done. As compared to as we did in college, which was cramming and doing everything at the last minute. It's called planning. And, and as, a, as a radio disc jockey, and you know this, when, you're, when you have to hit your mark, it's all about time management. Mm-hmm. And, and to be able to end that last statement, crank that pot up, hit it on the dot, news kicks in or music starts playing whatever is supposed to come next and it hits that immediate cue it is like butter and it is a big adrenaline rush so holds true with uh, anything else that you're trying to hit towards a mark maybe it's the proposal maybe it's that presentation maybe it's whatever that you're working towards and as soon as it clicks there is a massive adrenaline rush but it requires so much to get to that point there's a lot of navigation a lot of time management all of that to get to that point so i won't bore this entire podcast talking about old radio but i am now thinking and you've got my brain clicking i I need to get a board here with a couple of pots on it um, just so that i can feel like i'm actually turning something even though it's not connected but there is something to it because it just makes this whole process seem seem smooth at lockdoc security we know that managing access to your facility can be challenging and time consuming from making sure new hires have access from day one to setting time restrictions for on-site vendors lockdoc security offers a wide range of solutions to help you manage any size facility take full control of your buildings Grant and revoke access quickly and easily, guaranteeing your facility's safety inside and out. LockDoc Security, your access management solution. So we know we have a deadline of a certain time. We'll take, maybe it's music, maybe it's spots, maybe it's your your, uh, call signs, your call letters, whatever that you've got to fill in. And you're going to build that strategically because you want it to end. You don't want to have dead air because dead air is devastating in radio and talking over somebody else or talking over something else is 
horrible. Makes you sound like a rookie, right? So there is an exact sweet spot of hitting that. So when you're talking with uh, your folks, when you're giving your presentations, your keynotes, how are you, uh, you have some type of a framework that helps people understand that breaking that down and saying, here's where we where you want to land. So here are the things that you need to think through. And this is how you start to stack your time to get to that point. Well, a big part of that is calling, I call it high payout activities. You have to, you want to know those things that you have to do that make you the most amount of, most amount of money or, or save you the most amount of time. Everybody needs to know their HPAs or high payout, payout activities every day. And what we're, if we're talking about reading, you using an example, a major high payout activity is hitting that mark exactly, exactly on the hour. Once you know those things, and it's simpler, similar to something that Stephen Covey talked about, where he would take a jar and he'd put big rocks in it. Those are the HPAs. Those are the high payout activities. Those are the things you have to get accomplished. Then he'd put smaller rocks in. Then he'd put sand in. Then he'd put water in. But if And water were the least, least important things to do. But if you started with water, filling up the water, filling up the stand, you had no room for the big rocks. What most people do is they work on the minutiae each day. They do the things that are not very important. And we enjoy doing those things. Sometimes it's it's spending time at the water cooler talking to somebody at the office. It's getting yourself a cup of coffee. But that has to come after you do the most important things. So going back to what you're talking about, hitting a mark, it's, it's knowing all those little things you need to fit in there. Like I said, 10 minutes before the hour, you have um, a uh, three or four minute song. You have four or five commercials. Those are your high payout activities. Those are the things you have to get accomplished and make it happen. Then you have a chance to talk. You might give the time, the temperature, the call letters prior to it. But you figure these things out ahead of time before it happens, not while it's happening and not, not after it happens. Not not if you're good. The first couple of if times, right. yeah, you figure out that this is not going to work because you've plotted it out and then you've you've fallen short and you have 45 seconds of, of space that you've got to fill in. And if that's your first, first go at it, filling in 45 seconds worth of talking nonsense is not very comfortable as you're trying to back into that, in that stressful environment. Well, Chad, you, you being in radio, you probably experienced the same things I have. The first few times I worked probably at a half a dozen different radio stations. The, the first few times you make mistakes mm -hmm. and that's what causes you to figure out, I don't want to lose this job. I'm going to do it right, and I'm going to be a professional. Mm -hmm. There's many days that you bolt down the hallway because because dead air hit, because you mistimed something or whatever happened. But it's it's in, very interesting, and and I I've never really kind of drawn those dots together and made that connection until we've we're having this conversation today. I a lot of things that I approach in life is very time blocked based off of hitting this particular mark and back uh, kind of backing that up and starting the process going, it's going to take four minutes to do this, six minutes to do this. And that is exact. I learned all of that through the process of building a radio time schedule, because right. there is also, especially once we got into automation, if you needed to build yourself a 15 minute gap or a 15 minute break, you had to think through many steps to be able to build in that 15 minute break you right. maybe pre-record a little segment or whatever so you could plot it in and then the fact that it could hit it on time uh so it, it is i've never really kind of connected those dots but it's pretty impressive right that that that's if we start to think through life 
that way, or at least our our day to day tasks. Now, you talked about this through our rapid fire. As you get in the office early, you have these two hours worth of things that you do. Sounds like you're very regimented, but it also sounds like you're building a uh, a radio time block. So, tell us a little bit about how you kind of approach the day. Well, like I said, I get up at four o'clock. I'm um, uh, I found out a long time ago I was hypothyroid, which means I have a slow thyroid, and I like eating food. So the only way to not uh, balloon up and and uh, get fat is to um, make sure that I exercise in addition to eating a lot of food. First thing I do is I get up, I walk my dog in the morning. That's about a half an hour. Uh, I get back home, and I have a. I realize that going to a gym was something I wouldn't do. I wanted to make sure I had control over it, so I put basically a gym in one of my bedrooms. And I have for the for the morning workout, I have a stairmaster. Use that um, uh, for about twenty minutes. Uh, then I have more of a routine in the afternoon, but but back to the morning. Uh, then I get ready for work. I go to the office, and I purposely plan my office close by. I'm only three minutes away from my home, so it's easy to get there. Uh, get the office, and it's interesting, and you're probably aware of this. There's nobody in the office building at 6 o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. except me. Mm-hmm. I could yell and scream and jump up and down. I don't, but uh, I have the whole building myself. But it's quiet. The phone is not ringing. And I get more done from six till eight in the morning than any other two two hour period the rest of the day. And I get all that accomplished uh, between eight and nine. Um, I'll have some breakfast at the office and I'll get a few other things done. At nine o'clock, I start making phone calls. I usually make cold phone calls for a half an hour to an hour. Then I go out and have my uh, first meeting with clients. But it's all planned ahead of time. And I'm it, you're going back to the back timing. It's that four letter word P L A N. That, that most people don't do. And everything I have is planned out, and I hate having something happen at the last minute mm-hmm. that I don't expect it. But I deal with it. But I'm able to deal with it because I planned everything else out. How do you deal with people that say that they can't uh, stand having to be so conformed or confined to a predetermined plan? They just like to kind of ebb and flow as life goes on. Well, that's that's fine if that's what they want to do. And I ask them how much uh, how much money you want to make, how much you want to accomplish. I mean, the biggest the the, th- the worst thing I've heard is for somebody to be laying on their deathbed and saying, "I wish I did this or that when I was younger." Mm-hmm. Well, d- do it. Um, I I am extremely. I thought I was afraid of heights. I'm actually afraid of falling. So I do things to purposely push myself beyond that. I bungee jumped, uh, jumped out of an airplane. Uh, matter of fact, I'm a pilot. When I was living in Nebraska, there was nothing else to do there. I just learned how to fly an airplane. Uh, but I do things that pushes myself, that pushes me to where I need to be. We're talking about uh, how I broke a number of bones uh, in my body. Um, I became a, a third-degree black belt, in, a black belt in Taekwondo, which is a whole other story I can talk about. But um, And I'll throw this in here right now. We can talk about it. I found out early in life that I'm very, very slow at learning anything. Mm-hmm. When I started my, uh, my martial arts, I was one of the older people in the class. And if you know much about martial arts, you've got color belts starting from a white belt up to a black belt, different color belts in between. Our first, our first color belt was an orange bar belt. You're supposed to get about three months into your, uh, uh, into your practice. I couldn't get it. There were 10-year-olds who were getting their, their first belt, and I couldn't. Matter of fact, I didn't get my first belt till nine months. But here's what's interesting. Some of those kids and adults that started when I did, they were gone in about a year. 
Mm. Oh, it's too hard. You know, it was a two-hour workup, by the way. Uh, I don't have the time to do that. I don't like getting hit. I don't like getting punched. And it took me about uh, a year and a half, two years to get my um, first black belt. And I eventually got my third degree black belt. And I was actually teaching the class, which leads me to something else that I teach, too. Success does not go like this. Success goes like this. Mm. It's, it's similar to when a plane takes off. And I learned this when I learned how to fly. When, when I was flying in Nebraska, there was nothing but uh, primarily uh, short runways, so the, the shortest legal runway in the United States. And my instructor told me that whenever I was taking off, go all the way back to the end of the runway to give myself all the runway time I could. When you are in a small plane, and even in a, in a large plane, you give the plane throttle. You're pushing with your hand on the throttle, similar to pushing on your foot on a, on a car, and you give it 100% throttle. You're going down the runway, you're picking up speed, and in a small plane, I was flying a Cherokee 180, you pull back at about 70, 75 knots, and you take off. What's interesting, though, the moment you give a plane throttle, air starts pushing up under the wings, and you have lift. So technically, scientifically, you are actually flying even though you're on the ground. You actually you can't take off till about 70 knots, but you're actually flying. And this is where people quit and give up. They work and work and work and they can't see the success. It's really there and they're really pushing. They do have lift, but they quit ahead of time. Uh, what we call this is the 10th multiple theory. If you were to take uh, $1,000 and double it 10 times, you'll have a million. 2,000, 4,000, 8, 16, 32, et cetera, all the way up to a million. What's interesting that is that is at, at multiple number five, halfway there, all you have is $32,000. 32,000 is 3.2% of a million. Two, four, eight, uh, 16, 32 is your fifth multiple. So let's say five years ago, you told a friend that you're going to be worth a million dollars in 10 years. Haven't seen the friend in five years. You finally see him. And your friend says, how are you doing towards your million? You say, fantastic. I have $32,000. Your friend's probably going to laugh at you. This is why people don't stay with it longer, because you got to make sure you get on that graph. And at the very end, like a plane taking off, then you have success. That's a very uh, eye-opening I guess, example or analogy. So what is it, and I'm just trying to get the connection here, with an airplane, you said you can't take have liftoff until 70 knots, even though you're f technically flying. What has to happen at that 70-knot mark? You have to have the speed has to come up. That's what's happening. You're, you're getting, it's a combination of lift, air coming um, uh, under the wings, and you're getting that by going down the runway and picking up speed. And in a small plane, at about 70 knots, when you have enough airlift to actually pull back and you can get the, get the plane going. <laughs> it's similar, like I said, to, to achieving any kind of a goal, be it a financial goal, uh, anything. It takes a while to learn it. Occasionally, we can become lucky and pick something up very quickly, but don't count on it. And that's part of the reason I do what I do first thing in the morning. I have about 20 projects I work on, and I work on these projects anywhere from five minutes to 20 minutes in that two hours in the morning. But I'm doing a little tiny bit every single day. And cumulatively, it's building and building. As an example, I mentioned I give a keynote talk where I'm standing in front of a group for 60 minutes 
Uh, and my, my keynote talk is filled with nothing but stories. I have anywhere from 10 to 12 stories I, I tell. I have to know that material so well that I can stand up there. And if anything happens, uh, uh, a matter of fact, I've been in buildings where, there, where there's been fires. I had a man one time in a meeting I was doing, had a heart attack and those things happen. But you, you need to know what you're doing so well that you can just do it. Well, it just doesn't come there. You just don't stand in front of people and, and recite something you, you learned the night before. I have to work on it every single day. As a matter of fact, I practice it while I'm walking my dog in the morning. I practice it when I get to the office at least twice a day. And I still don't get it, mm -hmm. which drives me crazy. But it was really interesting. All of a sudden, one day, it's there. And it was all that accumulation. It's like piling piling up the uh, the sand and all of a sudden you have a mound and you don't realize it's actually especially done. We understand the frustrations HOA board members and property managers face when deciding the best solution for their HOA and pool security. Should we use a keypad, hand out keys, or install a key card system? Do we even need cameras? These are some of the questions that are difficult to navigate and we're here to help. At LockDock Security, we've spent over 20 years working with homeowners associations and property managers to find the system that best fits the pool and HOA needs. Camera systems for the front gate or front entrance, key card systems for the pool gates, or simply updating the gate so that it meets safety and code compliance. We like to take the guesswork out of the process to answer any questions and help find the right solution. Our mission is to help you protect your people and your property and that includes pools. Contact our team today to schedule your free consultation for your community. It's incredible. Uh, the the work in radio gives you the uh, concept to be able to sit and talk to yourself and tell yourself stories for hours on end and it not seem oh, yeah. to be odd. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, it's, it, it, being in radio, you know that some of the strangest people have uh, come from broadcasting. No, it's it's it is interesting concept because it's it's very true. Uh, pre presenting something, learning it, knowing it, and really uh, thriving in it, it comes from practice. And so, in that same same thing, you you see people walk up on stage and they they give this amazing presentation, this motivating you know speech, and it's like, man, I wish I could do it that way. Well, how many hours have they invested in the background to prepare for that? What is the the level of research that they've done to have that knowledge to be able to just walk on stage? So it now, you could you could you could see some of those speakers, and uh, they probably don't work on it quite as much uh, once they got it. And they, they still do a lot of practice, but getting there was the most difficult part. And that's the same through anything in life. It's a great analogy, especially using radio with that back timing. It takes a while to get there. We're not going to have it just like that. So where did this relentless concept come from with you? Because it seems like it plays out in a lot of different levels in your life. Uh, you're just focused on pushing through and, and not giving up. And I think what you're saying is absolutely true. You you see that a lot of time, and that's the difference between successful people and people that are that are not necessarily there is they, they start down a path and they either get distracted, give up, get disheartened, or whatever, for whatever reason that something happens and they just don't continue the path long enough to actually see the results. Why is that different for you? Well, I, I had one talent when I was growing up, and that was I was fast at short distances. So I, I was in track and field, 
And I could do a nine-second split in a hundred-yard dash. Now, what a split is, they time you from your when you when you're actually running till you till you stop. So it's not from a dead stop. Nine seconds is pretty fast. And I was naturally very good. But when I went to practice every day, I just never worked out. I thought, well, I'm good. I don't have to work very hard. It was rare that I won a meet. There were guys who were nowhere near as, as good as I was naturally that would beat me because they worked so hard at making it happen. I never realized that back in the day. When I graduated college, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't want to go in the military. Uh, I didn't want to work. My parents kept saying, you're going to go to college. I applied to three. I picked one. And it was the closest one to home, and I, I went to school. It was my, it was uh, the end of my first semester, senior year, a uh, freshman year, when I realized I have to pick a major. You can only take general education requirements so long. And I was flipping through the college catalog, and I saw radio and TV. Now, a friend of mine was a station manager for a high school radio station, and um, he said to me, he said, you have a pretty good voice. You ought to be on radio. I said, well, what do you want me to do? He said, I'd like to do color for our basketball team. I said, what's that? I had no idea what a color announcer was. I didn't know much about basketball. I did it one time. I do not remember it. I probably blacked it out because I did such a bad job. But I was going out with a, um, a young lady who could only go out on Friday nights, couldn't go out on Saturday. And so being an 18-year-old hormonal male, I decided that going out with her on Friday nights was much easier and better than uh, working on radio on Friday nights. Jump ahead to college, I thought that would be a really easy major. Got into that. Everything I did in life, I did because it was easy. It didn't work hard. The first shock I had was when I got fired from that first job. And instinctively, I said yes to being a radio salesperson because I was, uh, rather than being in news, because I was 600 miles away from home. And I was during a recession. I really needed a job. So I said, yes. But now looking back, sometimes you have to do the hard things to get to where you want to go. I'm a very, very slow learner. But once I've got it, I have it better than anybody. So that's a big piece of what London's Reformance is about. The other part of it is we have to go through pain. And the pain is, is generally mental pain, not physical pain, though it could be physical pain. But you've got to go through that mental pain to get to where you want to go. We all live in a comfort zone. And if we stay in the comfort zone, we don't grow. And I saw a, um, a, a quotation one time. I changed the quotation a little bit. And then I changed it to be, life begins as we expand our comfort zone. We can't grow and get better unless we get out of our circle of where we are right now. Because if we're not growing, we're, we're, we're all terminal anyway. We're all going to die. So let's build ourselves as big and as effective we can be while we're here. So you've had a lot of things happen to you or happen for you through your life that has kind of instilled this uh, relentless um, persistence to be able to to do these types of things. I'm, I'm kind of wanting to turn the question around a little bit to our audience. So uh, I'm uh, I'm sitting here listening to this. I'm sitting here watching this right now and I'm saying, man, I'm I'm in that mode in either my business or maybe in my, my particular job where I feel like I was making progress, but I just don't see I don't see the major positive outcome. I don't see uh, the success just around the corner. I feel like I'm starting to lose a little bit of momentum towards where I want to go. What do you say to those people? 
Well, let's talk about it from their point of view, too. And that happens for a lot of people. Sometimes you have to quit and go on to something else when you don't feel it's, it's, it's taking you where you want to go. But a big part of it is and there, there's five what I call relentless performance components when I do my talk. And one of them is to lock your sights. You need to know exactly where you want to be. You have to have a picture of it. Um, for instance, if you want to buy a new car, get a picture of that vehicle and look at it every day. What your mind does, it helps you find ways to get that car. It could be making more money. It could be finding one that was there that's less money than you thought. There's lots of ways it could happen. So let's say it's, it's, it's professionally. Figure out what position you want to be in. Get some kind of a picture that you can look at so your mind believes you already have it. And this goes back to back timing. What happens now, your mind gives you ideas of ways to make it happen. That's also what creates the motivation, too. Because if you, you've heard the expression, I'll believe it when I see it. Mm-hmm. When you see it, you'll believe it. And our mind is a mental magnet that attracts to us that which we think about. Let's go back to automobiles. Uh, I'm sure most of the uh, viewers or listeners have purchased an automobile, and as soon as they bought that car, they started seeing a lot more of those vehicles on the road. Sure. Every, everyone went out and bought the same car they bought the same time. No, they were always there. We just didn't pay attention. For those uh, that are listening or watching that are pregnant or had a pregnant wife, uh, all of a sudden you started seeing more pregnant women, more babies, more diaper commercials on TV. No, they were always there. You just weren't paying attention. So when you have a focus on what you want, your mind starts paying attention and starts finding all the things. It's like an antenna going up and you begin to attract yourself what you need to make those things happen. That's why successful people get to where they want to be. They do those things. I have one more quick story I I can tell if, if you have a moment. Go ahead. There's there's a um, uh, uh, episode on the History Channel uh, that was that was on on Memorial Day, and this was a man that uh, grew up extremely sickly, uh, had real bad asthma. And he, this is during the days when there were no inhalers, and every time he had an asthma attack, it felt like he was drowning. It was very difficult. He was very sickly. Matter of fact, he heard his parents say that he may not live through uh, childhood. Now, this is a this is a five or six year old boy hearing that he's about to die. His father was his hero. And his father said, you need to work on yourself. Your 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 mind is great. You're very, very smart. You're very bright. But your body isn't. So his father built him a gym and he was doing a lot of boxing. He was working on the gym every single day to get to where he wanted to be. Matter of fact, he woke up uh, every morning and he said this to himself, bring it on. Well, as he got older, uh, he was he got shot and he gave an 84 minute speech before he went to the hospital as he was bleeding from his wound. Uh, One Valentine's Day, his mother and his uh, wife died on the same day in the same house with a few uh, hours with each other. He went through tragedy after tragedy. His name was Theodore Roosevelt. He was our 26th president at the time, the youngest president uh, that we ever had. We have to go through time. Oh, matter of fact, he would work out up to almost the time he died. He worked out two hours every day, even while he was in the White House. You do what you have to do to get to where you want to be. 
It's an incredible story. Uh, to be able to persist through all of that is is very, very incredible. And I, I, I appreciate your time today, man. This has been pretty exciting to chat about all of these different concepts and then also really to apply it back into the daily, I guess the daily kind of grind of business. And, you know, one of the, the things that I've been has been clicking in my mind since we started down this path is the phrase that I hear a lot is in order for this to be accomplished, what has to be true? And I am really kind of honing in on that with this concept of the relentless um, per, you know, persistence going after this because you effectively, in order for this to be true or in order to accomplish this particular thing, I need to start to back time. What has to happen in order for this to be true? Um, and it really helps you to break down that that concept. The the concept of rocks from Stephen Covney, um, all of the different things that we've discussed are very applicable in all of our lives, just our personal lives to be to, to start with, but then we can apply that to business uh, on a on a very high level and continue to work towards it. Thank you for your time today. Thank you for the chat. If somebody wants to get in touch with you, they want to find out more about you, they want to book you for a keynote. What's what's the process? What's the best way to do that? Uh, a couple of ways you can find me on, on LinkedIn. My name is Steve Klein, K L E I N, but I go by Steve A Klein to separate myself. Uh, if you want to find me on the internet, it's Steve A Klein, K L E I N dot com. Um, my email address is just put Steve in front of it, Steve at Steve A Klein dot com, and you can get a hold of me. All right, Steve Klein, thanks so much for the conversation today. Uh, man, I really do think we need to get some uh, type of a control board up here so I can just turn knobs and it doesn't really have to do anything, but I just think it would be kind of fun and uh, and and be a little nostalgic. Those of you who are listening and watching for the first time, please subscribe. You can find out more and see all of the episodes that we have for you at lockdoc.net slash podcast. Thank you for joining us today, and we'll see you next time right here on the Coffee Break Podcast. Now, let's hit the news. 